Welcome to the Marketing Stir podcast by Staristo, probably the most entertaining marketing podcast you're going to put in your ears. I'm Jared Walls, associate producer and Starista's creative copy manager. The goal of this podcast is to chat with industry leaders to get their take on the current challenges of the market, but also have a little fun along the way. In this episode, Vincent and AJ talked to Frederick Carligren, Vice President of Global Marketing at Toshiba Global Commerce Solutions. They discuss digital transformation, the challenges of marketing in different regions, and how to resonate with someone on LinkedIn. AJ is impressed by a workout regimen, and Vincent is excited about visiting San Antonio. Give it a listen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's me, Vincent Petrofessa. I'm happy, and I've got a Hawaiian shirt on. That must mean one thing and one thing only. It is another episode of Starista's The Marketing Stir. So great to be back here. What an exciting day for many reasons mainly for our guest and the company that our guest works at. But we'll get to him in a moment. But first, who is Starista? Who are these people behind this podcast? Well, Starista, we're an identity marketing company. We are in our own business-to-business data, business-to-consumer data. We help people utilize that data to target new customers. Who doesn't want new customers? We also have our own DSP that allows us to execute media, display, connected TV, account-based marketing through that. That's enough about Starista. That just paid the bills for the podcast. Probably not. I just like saying that. That's what people on radio say. But it is so great to be back here. And it is so great to be with this next person, my co-host. I will see him in person. I'm going to give him a big hug when I see him. He might not want it, but I'm going to give him one. Ladies and gentlemen, I call him the San Antonio Slayer, Mr. A.J. Gupta. What's up, A.J.? Hey, Vincent. We actually have our uh, first out-of-town hire, uh, our VP of Marketing, Will, in the office today. So uh, I actually haven't seen him yet, but uh, he's been with us for a year, but uh, had not met him and hopefully will in the next hour here. So. It's crazy. Well, you have to tell me about Will. I haven't met him either, but I know he's also an amateur bodybuilder and supposed to have like a 50-inch 50, 50 chest and like a 32-inch waist. So uh, that's crazy. I don't have any of that. I have, the, I have this here, you know, a 46-inch chest uh, and shoulders, but I am not a 32. Good friends out there. Yeah, uh, he just added me on Instagram, something I use pretty rarely, and I uh, got the full-on visual of uh, Will and his bodybuilding abilities. So, well, good. Uh, well, I, I'll I, take your word for it. I yeah, uh, yeah I, I never thought I would see my VP of marketing without clothes, but yeah, got there. Yeah, the VP of marketing. Yeah, you know, shout out to Will Kunkel. He and his team allow this to uh, to go on and really back us. Uh, We have so many listeners. How could you say no anyway, Will? Anyway, but good. I can't wait to meet. I'm going to meet him June 10th. And then uh, I'm coming back down to San Antonio. It's going to be hot. It's going to be great. And uh, looking forward to seeing all my coworkers out there. But awesome, awesome. AJ, speaking of awesome, we've got an amazing guest today from an amazing company, Toshiba. Heard of them? Yeah, you have many facets of Toshiba, but we're going to get down because a lot of people think different things when you hear Toshiba, right? Some people, uh, electronics, um, you know, uh, vehicles, right? 
but there's so much more. And that's why we wanted to have this next guest on. So please, a warm marketing stir. Welcome to the Vice President of Global Marketing at Toshiba Global Commerce Solutions. Ooh, a new area I want to learn about. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Frederick Carligren. What's going on, Frederick? Hey, Vincent. AJ, how are you doing? I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm doing You're great happy. today. Yeah, awesome. I love it. I love it. I love the background there. You got Toshiba. That's a natural background. Or uh, this is actually uh, this is a, a what you call a real world background, not a not one of those virtual backgrounds. We're uh, <laughs> in the office uh, like you were talking about, and it feels pretty good. I love it. I love it. Where are your office is located? We are headquartered in the beautiful Raleigh Durham area of North Carolina. That's right. I love Raleigh Durham. I've got some family out there. It's uh, you know what a battle between Duke and uh, UNC. That's a whole other podcast right there. But uh, it's, it's awesome to see you again, Frederick. And look, for those of you, you know, Toshiba, right? Huge company. People know it for different reasons. You know, what I love and the reason we wanted you on the podcast is just to understand your particular division. Uh, so I'd love to hear more about the division there. And I'd love to hear more about your role specifically. Yeah, thanks, uh, Vincent. We, uh, I consider myself really fortunate and be part of Toshiba Global Commerce Solutions. We serve some of the most successful, well-known retail uh, brands in the, in the country and even around the uh, one of the top 25 global retailers and all uh, other uh, matter of retailers with their in-store technology uh, from point of sale, self-checkout, software solutions, a full range of services from uh, installation, deployment, professional services, and, and the like. So really, we, we focus on, at the end of the day, uh, helping empower our clients to uh, face this new digital transformation that's happening in retail. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that because it's, uh, you know, the retail industry as a whole is, is quite fascinating. And uh, we get to be in the in and really helping our clients be successful in, uh, in what's happening here in the industry. So um, you know, my role in particular, if we and I focus on the customers is to, I like to think about it as taking and listening to the voice, transforming that into the value that we can show them in terms of how we can help them and through the marketing efforts, uh, right? So we do everything from a lot of voice of customer events and activity. Uh, and then I'm responsible for all of the outbound marketing initiatives here from uh, communications, events, uh, the product channel marketing, as uh, enablement, uh, training and education, and a technical team as well, working and supporting our business partner community. We have a lot of great partners as well that we work with. So it's uh, it never uh, is there a, a, a dealer to the next about it. Mm. Uh, exactly. And then, you know what, and Frederick, we're definitely going to talk about digital transformation. We're definitely going to talk about, especially how it pertains to, you know, this past year and moving forward uh, for retail. But Let's take a step back. Let's go, not so way back, but let's go uh, back to when you started in marketing. So one of the questions we always love asking is because sometimes it's not always a traditional path. And if it is, that's, you know, that's the minority, right? Being Going yep. right marketing to marketing. Tell us about how you started in this business. First of all, I like that you mentioned that it wasn't all that long ago. That makes me feel good. So, uh, it doesn't feel long ago, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, just given the, the pace of, of things, it, uh, it's, it's surprising sometimes when you actually look back and try to plot it on a timeline. Uh, 
you know, I went to, uh, in college, I was started getting interested in marketing, but there was actually not a marketing degree at the school that I, I did a combination of economics and psychology. And looking back, I, I kind of say, you know, they blend those two together and you, you pretty much have a marketer, right? So I, I took a bit of a non-traditional college route, a job that had nothing to do with marketing uh, in the lovely city of Chicago and had a, a fabulous few years for a really solid company, but the urge to do marketing was pretty strong. And so I went back to school a little bit, took some ca- uh, classes in the evenings, uh, and then decided what I really wanted to do was go back and, uh, and really focus on marketing. So I went to uh, Thunderbird School of Global Management out in Arizona, got my degree there, and um, uh, was fortunate to land a few great internships, uh, one with Ericsson Mobile Communications in Stockholm, uh, focusing on some of their smartphone technologies, and, um, and then with IBM and uh, part of their marketing leadership development program. And so I got some really great uh, B2B through that, um, you know, finished up my degree and ended up uh, joining IBM. Had a, a number of things uh, through the course of uh, that year from the product marketing side, uh, even a stint in sales as well. I think it's really important, you know, and I'm sure we'll talk about it again here too. The alignment between marketing is, is so vital that, um, it was really great to have that be part of my experience as well. So yeah, I, you know, like everybody, like you said, everybody's got a bit of a non-traditional route, and uh, you know, if if time permitted, we get into some of the how uh, how I bounced around opportunity to the next. Uh, not always linear in the in the way I described it there either, but uh, at the end of the day, it's worked out great and led me to where I am today. So, and Frederick, how do you kind of view your target audience? Toshiba has obviously changed over the last several years as well, uh, but would love to understand who you're trying to target on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, so the, our division is strictly B2B, and uh, you know, we work uh, across different retail uh, segments. Uh, we, we have a lot of clients and, and a lot of folks in what we call the high-volume retail segment. So you might think about that as grocers, general merchants, even convenience stores, right? That anything that's high volume uh, is is an area that we have quite a few customers and focus on. Um, but we do serve other segments as well. The you know we have uh, customers within more of the specialty retail segment, hospitality. Um, about half of our business, roughly, is is to the larger uh, retailers, uh, the the big name retailers that. The, familiar with and shop probably on a weekly basis. And, uh, but then we also have a, a huge number of um, business partners, channel reseller partners around the world that serve you know, other tiers and segments of the market. So um, uh, yeah, that's the bigger split, right? Direct to a lot of the large retailers and then a, a significant uh, business partner channel community that serves a lot of our other clients together with us. And what are some of the channels that you use when marketing and are, are there particular method, methodologies like ABM that you're using? Yeah, and, and you know, that's um, something that we're, we're definitely focused on, right, is, is more ABM driven. Uh, you know, we have, and we're fortunate to have some very significant large customers that really, for us, require uh, a deep collaboration from both parties, right? Where it's, it's very, we're working very closely one-on-one in how we're gonna to continue to help them evolve. Um, and then you know, clearly one of the things we're trying to do is new opportunities in accounts that we may not have had the same relationship or history. But you know, one of the things that's really important in, in retail 
especially since a lot of our focus is on the traditional brick and mortar physical store and a little bit of obviously too right the stores as it used to be you know is definitely integrated as part of an overall journey that the consumers have with those brands but at the end of the day uh, retail is is heavily based on trust and that's probably not unique to the retail industry but we're really dealing with mission critical operations right when we're dealing with anything related to point of sale and the transactions in the store and so it, it does become really important to focus on what's specifically happening in a particular segment. Different segments are much different than, than others. So we have to be able to target from a marketing standpoint too, what's unique to that particular segment, what's happening there and how we can help address and, and help them understand what Toshiba can, can do for them. So we become very, um, very segment uh, specific and, and tier specific to some degree in terms of the size. But you know, it, at the end of the day, a lot of the a lot of the business needs are very similar between the very large retailers and, and other retailers in terms of what they want to do. It's sometimes it's just the level of uh, IT or resource you know that they have in house versus what they expect from a partner. So we you know from from that perspective, we really try to be the strategic partner uh, with our clients as opposed to a vendor distinction for us and the way we try to think about how we're adding value to the clients that we serve um, so that's a little bit about uh, you know how we think about our market and Frederick I always loved asking marketing professionals especially in global marketing like you are how and you don't have to give me um, a ton of examples but just a few that stand out to you about how you're marketing differently in different regions? Yeah, you know, I, that's an interesting question. And, and obviously you have me on, so I'm going to share my perspective because that varies greatly depending on the type of company that I think and, and how and what your brand stands for, right? And so for us being part of uh, our parent companies, Toshiba Tech, we're part of the, the broader Toshiba Corporation. So there's a, there's a, a global standard and story for to manage our brand um, and, and the consistency that we strive to have across all geographies. Um, and, and so we, we really try to make sure that that consistency and the, the brand, the story, the message, the themes, you know, really is, uh, is understood and communicated well. But then uh, there has to be local autonomy, right? Uh, so, you know, we, we have certain decisions that we make at headquarters, but we really look for our uh, geography marketing teams to the, the feet on the street to tailor and personalize that. And, and obviously, uh, you know, that depending on what it is that we're doing, what type of campaign event, um, you know, that, that differs. Um, but for as, as much as possible, we actually do try to keep pretty consistent. And um, the localization of that is more about well, what products and services are most important to those clients in a particular country or region um, they get to pick which campaigns or they get to pick which approach or, or you know, events will help best uh, you know, address the client needs that they're serving. Um, so, you know, it's, a, it's, it's always a, an interesting balance uh, between the geographies wanting uh, probably more full autonomy, but still sticking within the constructs of, of a, the bigger brand that we have. And, you know, that for us, even though we are a standalone Toshiba entity with of how we manage the brand we also have the corporate guidelines to address right so it becomes this 
this uh, hierarchy of, of how we manage to the logo and the brand requirements for corporate and how then we manage that down to our geography. And Frederick, we, you know, we touched upon it in the beginning there, and I knew we were going to talk about it. The digital transformation of, you know, retailers, how has that been for Toshiba the last year, like 2020, uh, were a lot of the companies that you already worked with set up for success during this time, as well as has there been a new increased demand from some of these retailers because of, oh, wait, we really didn't have our right footing when it came to you know digital transforming. Talk to me about that. Yeah, it, it's been... It has been a fascinating year, and and you know it's hard to use any word that's remotely positive to describe the last year. I mean, it's it's obviously been uh, hard in a lot of ways. What what I have been really encouraged by from an industry standpoint is how quickly actually retailers have been able to adapt. And you know, overnight with these operations that had you know had a very consistent way having to shift that fairly quickly uh, overnight in some cases right or and, and so the agility that retailers had was was quite remarkable though some of that was um, you know, maybe done quickly without optimizing that business model or process but you know the, the the impacts were significant and we you know what i like about retailers we can all relate to it right you and i we all go shopping everybody's listening has been into a store, right? They, they know what it's like and they saw the, the changes that, the, that clients needed to go through. You look at grocery, right? You saw a huge increase because people didn't go to restaurants anymore. So what are you gonna do? Of course, you're gonna buy groceries and you're gonna prepare food or make food at home. And so the demand and the surges that took place uh, you know, were, were certainly a big part of, of what our clients needed to respond to. But the the, the part that you were describing around the digital transformation was interesting too, because the, there, there was a clear distinction between retailers who had gotten ahead of the curve and were already well down the path of things like curbside pickup, uh, delivery, even in-store self-service, right? Self-checkout has been around a long time, but with the pandemic, it became a pretty significant asset to be able to offer self-service where consumers want uh, the ability to be as touchless as possible, contactless as possible, right? From the standpoint, it wasn't just about self-checkout or self-service for other reasons. And so there was a delineation between those who had already thought about it or were planning ahead for what are the infrastructure requirements needed to, uh, uh, you know, to prepare so you could fell in deploying new capabilities. Um, you know, some had, instead responded with implementing other third-party solutions and obviously sell rise and things like Instacart and other you know, capabilities and, and uh, solutions in the marketplace that serve the, the immediate need to be able to uh, help consumers shop in different ways. And you know, we've done some interesting studies on this too. We'll probably get to a little bit around uh, what those trends are from the consumer standpoint that are likely to, uh, to continue even um, as we now enter what may be a little bit more back to what you call normal. So follow up on that, would love to actually hear what some of the uh, trends that you see based on your recent customer survey that are here to stay. Yeah, so we, we just completed a, uh, a US customer survey just a couple of weeks ago. We're doing another one now uh, here in, um, 
actually uh, is going on right now. Uh, but we wanted to see, yeah, how of the way that consumers have shopped over last year, do they expect to continue? And, or how much are we gonna revert back to the traditional ways that we shopped before? And uh, about 40% of our respondents are, are, are kind of what we call digital shifters, right? So they've made a big shift, not, not just once in a while, but they've made a big shift to, I'm going digital, right? Um, I'm ordering online, I'm delivery, you know, all the, the kind of the, the new use cases and, and the new ways that the consumer shop. And 90% of them say that they're gonna stick with that. They, you know, they, they don't, they're not going to go back. So if they delivery, uh, delivery is, is certainly on the increase versus other things that we maybe were used to pre uh, pandemic, like buy online, pick up in the store, you know, now that uh, the more, the delivery and, and the bring it to me economy, right. When, when that bring it to me economy in place now, the thought of buying it online sort of through a digital means, but still having to go into the store to pick it up. Well, that's great for retailers. Consumers are kind of saying, you know what, that that's not, we don't want to do that anymore. We've seen the other side and we want to, we want to stick to that. Um, certainly other things around uh, related to what we're talking about self-service, consumers are talking about convenience and safety being, being top of mind. And that doesn't just mean you're cleaning things either. That just means, hey, is it easy for me to see before I walk in the store uh, what the inventory levels is in real time so that I know if you have Otherwise, I'm just not going to bother going into your store, right? Let me know. Yes. Uh, so those are some other things that uh, that we're seeing. But uh, there's there's no doubt that there, the shift is there and it's going to continue and, and retail adapt. So I think that you know the if you step back and then look at the industry as a whole, what that means is that some of the most valuable consumers out there, these digital consumers, are a little bit up for grabs. And so this notion of customer loyalty and, uh, and how retailers manage and maintain loyal customers, you know, with this big shift to digital, those who do that well and are maintained and continue to show how they're making that shopping experience easier, they, um, you know, they could potentially grab some share through this too. And so that's an interesting place to watch and a, an important conversation that we have with our clients on how they make sure that they, uh, you know, are, are meeting those consumer expectations. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I'm one of those guys that still likes to go to the grocery store and pick out their own fruits and vegetables. Yeah, you're uh, not alone in that. I mean, that's <laughs> that's uh, that's pretty common, and uh, especially when it comes to produce and things like that. Yeah, but I will say during the uh, initial stages of pandemic, when nobody was sure what was going on, I uh, definitely tended to order more online than uh, than before. So. Uh, with, with, with that said, what's your opinion on the value of physical stores uh, as more people are turning into online shopping or may not revert back to the physical store? So I, I might be a little bit biased given who we work with and, and our clients and, and the <laughs> industry that I'm in. But uh, to me, the physical store still just plays such a significant role uh, in, in communities. I mean, not not just they're the heart of a lot of communities. And, and I'm not just talking about the big retailers. I'm talking about retail in general, the physical store in general, right? It, it's, um, it's, it's the backbone of so much of what our communities are made out of. And, um, you know, you got some big retailers like, uh, you know, for example, where I think they're within five minutes of 80% of the U.S. population, right? I mean, it's, uh, there's other retailers that have that kind of breadth, right? And then there's the mom 
and smaller retailers who are just the, you know, the, the lifeblood of the community, right? And so what sets, I think, the store apart at the end of the day are things like, um, and this is also based on the consumer survey, right? And what, why those who go into store continue to go into a store. A lot of it comes down to quality, right? And the, the being able to see and pick up and know that what you're buying is actually what you're buying. All right. I, a couple of years ago, I, I bought something online uh, for my nephew. It was a little uh, like a, a silverware plate set, right? And he was big into construction. And so it had like, you know, it's a construction theme. And uh, I got a kind of a confused, uh, you know, message a couple of days later about, well, yeah, I mean, he liked it, but I was like, well, I thought it would be right up his alley. And well, yeah, I mean, you know, and then it kind of got to, well, it had like bugs and, you know, it was a diff totally different theme set. They had sent the wrong one, right? And that's, that happens. I mean, it, it, but in, in the physical world, you, you, you avoid some of that. You know what the quality is. You know what you're picking up is what it is merchandising and displays is the big part of that too right a lot of consumers want to see how things actually fit together work together how the design you know designs take ikea for example right so i'm swedish right so i got to plug ikea in here at some point i think that's part of my <laughs> yeah. it's a rule it's it's a rule yeah perfect example of you get to see what the entire space looks like and that's you can do some of that online too but there is a consumer preference within you get a better sense for that in a physical store. So I think those are a couple you know, quality related, just the way consumers like to engage. The, the other thing that I, when I think about online and digital, and you think about the buying online part, that, that part's did, but let's not forget that behind that is a lot of analog stuff, right? So that item still needs to be packaged. And yes, there's a lot of automation in that process, but you know, shipped, uh, shipping delays, you know, storms and, things impacting that whole part of the supply chain. So it, it's not like digital is fully digital where it just shows up in your, in your, on your front door magically, right? And, and so stores still play an important part of, of that essential. We, we haven't even touched on the fact that there are some things that you just run out of or medicines or things that you just need right away. And um, you just wanna be more sure. I mean, physical stores are here, they, they are, are gonna continue to be you know, a big part of our communities and our, uh, our economies. No question about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you there because for me, I, I love going into a store. I love uh, trying things on certain fits. You know, am I an extra large? Am I a double X in some things? Um, it's, it's crazy. So I love going into the stores. I do think, and we had a few retailers on the podcast, what they were talking about, Frederick is like, okay, then let's make that store, like you said, too, a really good experience. What can we do to make this experience better for you? And I live in New York City. I'm spoiled by some of these flagship stores, right? I feel like I'm there and like a ninja pops down and like, here, sir, try this on. This is your fit. And I'm like, wow, this is amazing. So I feel like I'm, I have that, but I love go the in-store experience. I also love going to like outlets, uh, like a Tanger outlets. I love going to like a, uh, a mall because you don't really have those in New York City. So for me, it's like nostalgia all in one place. This is crazy. I don't have to take a subway. So, oh yeah, I think they're definitely here to stay. Uh, but then there are some essentials that I will order online. Having small kids, it's easier 
with the diapers, right? And having that on a constant flow. So no, I I, I agree. Um, yeah, not exactly your typical, uh, you know, retail environment compared to the rest of the country, but it is it is certainly home to a lot of uh, flagship amazing store experiences. You know, we have the annual uh, National Retail Federation show up there every January and Javits, right? We talked about before, you know, I had the, the pleasure of living up there for a few years myself. And, you know, it's, uh, there, there are some amazing experiences and, and quite a few retailers, uh, especially those who come internationally, have spent a lot of time touring there just to get inspiration from uh, what's happening is it and how to take some of that inspiration and work it into, um, you know, their own operations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, that's also something I love doing, you know, talk about traveling. Uh, and I love going into the little markets, uh, especially supermarkets, right. You know, in, in other uh, cities and towns, just to see the products, how, how they, how they market. And, and, you know, you, you know, Toshiba working with a lot of supermarkets, that, those were the essential businesses, right. But how do you think marketing is changing for some of them? How do you think this pandemic has affected those essential businesses moving forward? Yeah, you know, it's a it's a good question. It, you know, and I think at the end of the day, it, it has to follow the expectations for the consumers in some ways. So I think you're going to continue to see the the progression of this digital transformation journey for for essential retailers. They're going to even though we, we kind of talked about the physical store and then we, we almost in our discussion here made it seem like the online and delivery is separate and it's not, I mean, retailers are going to have as well, how to meet the needs of the consumers, no matter when, where, and how they want to transact with you. So even though you are within a few miles of that physical location, it doesn't mean you there, right? <laughs> you, you may want it delivered. And that, you know, that's an example of something that we're working on with a lot of our clients on, uh, how to help them piece together those elements that maybe are not part of their core traditional competency, things like last mile delivery, right? And, and what does that really take? Yes, I mean, there are options out there like Instacart, but you know, at the end of the day, it's also really important for these customers to retain that relationship with their consumers, right? And, and the, you know, so helping them do that still offering you know, these other capabilities. So we, we spent a lot of our, uh, of our time, uh, not only investing in some of our own commerce platforms, but also third-party partners. And they're gonna try to really work to help clients move forward on that digital journey so that they can more easily um, uh, do the things that today are, maybe they're, they have to be more than, they have to be profitable as well, right? And, and their clients really have to make find sustainable ways to operate and serve their consumers. And Frederick, talk to me about because I was reading about your new commerce platform. Can you you know tell uh, our listeners about that? Yeah. So we uh, earlier this year launched the Alera commerce platform, and uh, Alera is uh, comes straight from the word accelerate, which is really at the heart of what we're trying to do, which is help our clients accelerate. Uh, in how they deliver new capabilities and uh, serve their consumers. So it, it, if you think about it from a non-technical standpoint, what we're really trying to do is bridge a little bit of this physical and online world and bring those together, right? So that even the physical traditional retailers can deliver more of these digital capabilities faster and easier, right? And so it's, uh, you know, the platform itself consists of both 
um, I'm going to get too techie here for, for a marketing stir podcast, but, you know, microservices, so it's a, you know, a software you know, capability. It's very agile in terms of how you can deploy capabilities. Um, but there's also, uh, IOT and edge devices, right? Sensors and, and computer vision tech, you know, capabilities that we're building into it as well as a uh, very important from a marketing standpoint, right? It's the data, the data analytics, the data side of it, because you know, all of those three elements have to work together ultimately. And so that's really what we're focused on is bringing all the elements in a way that, you know, that makes sense for our clients. Project, one of our staple questions on this podcast is, uh, especially given your title and where you work, I'm sure you get a lot of unsolicited emails and LinkedIn messages. So what are some of the messages that you respond to and what are some messages that really annoy you? Yeah, yeah, uh, good question. So, you know, I, I actually looked recently, right, to see what have I responded to. And uh, <laughs> Vincent, you, you're, you're one of the few actually that, that's broken through that barrier. It, <laughs> it, uh, so congratulations nice. on that because it is not an easy bar to break through. And <laughs> when I was, the, the honest answer is, I, I answered very few of those. It, to me, it, it has to resonate with me personally. It, it, unfortunately, it's too obvious in many of these messages that it is just trying to sell and position what you can do as opposed to really why it matters to me or, or what specifically is, is in it for me. I mean, you hate to be selfish, but you get so many of these messages out there that it, it's sometimes hard to, uh, to distinguish. And, and, you know, the default is that I'm probably not interested. If I'm interested, I'm probably going to go try to find you. And if you're, if you're fortunate, maybe I'll at least remember a message. And if I'm thinking about something later, I'll, I'll try to go back and find it. Um, and so, you know, I think at the end of the day, what, what, what breaks through are the things that are genuine, right? That, that seem not just personalized with my name, but it really understands and takes the time to say, here, here is why I'm reaching out to you as an individual, not because of your title. Um, you know, so that, that to me is the distinction between through and not. Uh, you know, emails are, are equally equally hard. I mean, it's, uh, and unfortunately with the busy schedules that a lot of us have, uh, certainly myself included, um, it, it, it really has to, to be genuine, authentic, and an area that I already have an interest or know that I want to explore. Um, you know, when this pandemic hit and things were going more online and virtual, right, that really, you know, what we need is kind of a tough time. We know that, you know, you're probably trying to figure this out and maybe we can help you, right? That, that resonated with me and I wanted to kind of understand what they were talking about because it, it was a clear uh, pain point that things we were trying to address, right? So it, so it resonated a little bit more. Um, but I think that's the key, you know, otherwise uh, it, it unfortunately is going to not get too much of my attention. Well, I'm, I'm glad we managed to get you on here because we have... Uh tried our best over I think I've uh, recorded 85 episodes now to make it as little salesy as possible it's really about having a conversation and 
getting to know the guests. So I'm happy that you made it <laughs> or yeah, that we made uh, it through your inbox. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a nice job on that. Thanks. Uh, so Frederick, you've been at Toshiba for quite some time now. What's been one uh, particular moment that's really stood out for you that you really uh, feel proud about? Yeah, well, that's a that's a good question. Uh, I have been here for for a while now. Um, you know, the the moments that I love that really stand out are things like those National Retail Federation shows, right? And and I know it's I know it's just an event per se, and there's many events, and and maybe it's not you know specifically NRF, although it kind of is. It's it's a hallmark for the industry, right? And it's the start of the year, it's January, everybody's excited and comes together for it. Um, so it's this culmination from a marketing standpoint of really being able to tell our story, right? And just um, it, the storytelling, the creative, I love that process of, of ensuring that we're getting that message through, but then seeing so many of our clients and our partners and colleagues uh, you know, from uh, the country all come together in one place, Maybe I'm a little nostalgic about that now too, given the fact that we didn't do that last year. And uh, hopefully we will be able to do it in 2020. Uh, but you know, to me, those kind of experiences that, that where everything comes together, right? Uh, your team, your partners, your customers, your story and solutions is all on display in you know, these, these three days of energy. And um, you know, it's uh, six months, nine months of planning ahead of it uh, to, to make that uh, a reality, right? So, um, so I, I love those moments. Those are, those are personal favorites and uh, uh, something I'll always enjoy, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we love that, you know, be, being in New York here, like I said, there's always so many conferences that go right at the Javits Center, which I think that one was uh, you're referring right. to. And, you know, at Starista, we love traveling as well, seeing our customers, going to trade shows. Um, but yeah, I mean, slowly, I think that's coming back as, as, you know, I'm coming out to San Antonio, I'm seeing some clients now, hey, let's have that drink. We haven't met yet. You know, you're a great partner. That, that sort of thing is opening up. So I'm looking forward to that uh, as well. Uh, Frederick, I want to talk to you about this because you mentioned it in the beginning and we were actually kind of joking about our VP of marketing and what, what our VP of marketing does a great job of is bringing sales and marketing together, right? So all one team. Now you don't hear that often. You know, we had some podcasts where people were like, nah, we barely talk. This is, we're separate, blah, blah, blah. But talk to us about if you're doing that at Toshiba, how you're doing it, what's the importance of it? And did your stint in sales help that? Yeah, no question. First of all, marketing is an outside in, function you know, where our job is not to take uh, what we do and just try to out to the world right it has to has to be grounded in uh, customer partner market value right and start with uh, with that outside in perspective and, and that's that comes from our clients and our prospects and so if you don't have the alignment with sales uh, and there's other ways to get that voice of customer that's that's so important you're going to have a, a breakage point Right. And um, and so we're we're very aligned here. We have, uh, you know, not just at the executive level, but down you know, through throughout the teams. We have regular kids. 
both to understand what's happening at an account uh, by account by account view, uh, overall strategies, overall plays, uh, and things that we're going to to do. It's it's really uh, it is really critical that we're in sync, um, and you know, and it goes both ways. I I hope and I, I think that for us, it's not just that sales needs marketing, but marketing needs sales. I mean, it's a mutual official relationship, right? In order to ensure that we're doing and focusing our efforts and energies in the right place. Um, but ultimately what we want to do help obviously be successful. Uh, no question then that the, the stint in sales helped that. And I actually hire, uh, you know, certain members of my team and, and different functions. I, I like to hire people with sales backgrounds as well. Right. It, it, it's, it's a really important part of being able to relate to what it's like to go out there, be in front of customers, especially when you're talking about accounts and prospects that you don't have the relationship with. How do you break through and have that initial conversation? What can marketing do uh, from a pure outbound perspective uh, or also just from an enablement standpoint, right? To arm our sellers with the right materials to go in there and ask the right questions. Uh, anticipate the objections, uh, understand our differentiation versus our competition, you know, how, how are we arming them to be successful, right? How are we giving them the tools to be successful? And so uh, that, that's a lot of what, how I like to think about marketing's function is, is make sales successful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, li I like that. That's good advice, you know, because again, a lot of people who are listening to this podcast are in marketing and in sales. And a lot of times that is the feedback we get from our listeners. Hey, you know, how are companies aligning like that? So uh, we appreciate that. We're almost out of time, but I let's get to know you more, Frederick. So uh, I'd love to learn a little bit more about, you know, what are some of your hobbies, your interests? Uh, I know you have two kids like me. Um, we were talking let me know, uh, you know what you enjoy doing on the weekend and then leave us with a closing thought. Sure. Yeah, I, I do. I have two great kids uh, that uh, take a lot of my time and energy, but in the best possible way. And uh, so undoubtedly, uh, you, you know, they get a lot of my attention where this week we're actually starting music lessons together. Well, kind of together. Uh, my son is taking DJ lessons, uh, my daughter on uh, piano. And I said, well, if I'm going to them for lessons, take something too so i'm gonna see if i can pick up guitar i've never played guitar before in my life and somehow though the kids don't think it's cool to anticipate that we may get together as a band one day they didn't, they didn't think that was a uh, <laughs> cool idea so that may not happen um I, cooking traveling hiking you know gosh i really hope i can start doing some traveling again um but uh you know those are all things that i enjoy too and uh you know it's uh being outdoors you know especially a lot of us uh, at least uh, spend a lot of time in the office and uh, a lot of time in front of our computers. It's really nice to get out uh, and enjoy the, the enjoy the great outdoors, especially down here in North Carolina, where it's so mm -hmm. so beautiful. A lot of great hiking spots. The beach is not too far away. So uh, that's awesome. Yeah, and uh, and one you know just a just a closing thought. Anything you'd like to share? Yeah, to the audience. You know, yeah, I, I, you know, thinking about that, putting all that together, you know, life, life is short, right? And so I think about from a personal standpoint, you know, you got to create memories and create memories for yourself, create memories for your kids. And, um, you know, I've done some crazy things in my life, uh, looking back from 
bungee jumping and skydiving <laughs> with the bulls and swimming with sharks and you know all kinds of stuff that you know i haven't done on a regular basis but you know those are the stories that you tell 20 30 years later right those are the, the things that you know get you excited about thinking about your next trip or what am i going to be memorable what are my kids going to remember and and so i think when you when you take that and apply it to our Jobs day to day. We come to the office. We meet you know, maybe teams over and over. We, you know, things can feel repetitive. It's just, just think about how are you going to create a memory, right? You mentioned these NRF events and, and how uh, special those are, but those those are once a year. What are we doing day in day out? How do we create memories that our clients you know, are going to hold on to, and, and when they think about Toshiba, they're going to recall that uh, that one great experience they had, or hopefully more than one uh, over the course of time. But, you know, I think uh, I think that's what I would would say is, uh, you know, both personally and professionally, just uh, just think about that. Great yeah, no, I like that. That balance, you know, it's kind of all I if, if this pandemic has taught you anything, it's, you know, a little more balance right uh, throughout this process, uh, work life, family, uh, get to know your coworkers a little more. Uh, you know, do some events. So yeah, no, I, I, I love that. I love that. And uh, DJing, I didn't know that there was a class for DJing. That's pretty cool. Who knew? Yeah. <laughs> Who knew? And I'll tell you what, you won't catch me swimming with any sharks. No way. But uh, the other stuff, I, I that, that's cool. Uh, that's great. Well, Frederick, this has been awesome. You know, thank you so much for spending your time with us here on the Marketing Stir. Uh, again, ladies and gentlemen, that's Frederick Carligren. He is the Vice President of Global Marketing at Toshiba Global Commerce Solutions. I am Vincent Petrofessa. That is AJ Gupta. And this has been another episode of The Marketing Stir. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate it. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to The Marketing Stir podcast by Starista. Please like, rate, and subscribe. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, email us at themarketingstir at starista.com. And thanks for listening.